welcome to the Security Ledger podcast. I'm Paul Roberts, Editor-in-Chief at the Security Ledger. In this episode of the podcast, number 245. But essentially, what we invented and what we came up with well, was a way of saying, okay, well, if we're going to prove who you are, what we do instead is go away and find, use AI to find some information um, that you should know and only you should know, and then ask you questions based upon that. Usernames and passwords have been with us almost as long as computers themselves, and at least since the early 1960s, when MIT introduced the Compatible Time Sharing System, or CTSS, an operating system that was the first computer system to implement a password login. Six decades later, however, password use has tipped into the absurd. A 2017 study by LastPass of its business users found that the average employee maintained 191 passwords in their account. That means the average 250-employee company maintains something like 47,000 passwords. If the data is right, many of those passwords employees use are weak and easily guessed, or are shared across multiple accounts. The adoption of so-called two-factor authentication has helped with that problem a little bit, but the key question for companies and employers remains the same, which is what is the most reliable and secure way to make sure that somebody seeking access to our network or application is who they say they are? Our guest this week has an answer to that question, and it may not be what you're expecting. Matthew Salisbury is the CEO and co-founder of the firm Honey Badger HQ. It's a Menlo Park-based fraud prevention startup that has developed a novel way to do knowledge-based authentication to verify account holders. The company's technology uses machine learning and artificial intelligence to find derived information about the user and create a custom test for them based on that information that they can quickly and securely use to verify their identity. We invited Matt into the studio to talk about Honey Badger's technology and how AI and machine learning are changing the conversation about what's possible when it comes to knowledge-based authentication of individuals online. To start off, I asked Matt to tell us a little bit about himself and about the Honey Badger technology. My name is Matthew Salisbury. Most people call me Matt, um, which you're welcome to do so. Um, And my title is co-founder and CEO of Honey Badger. I am going to call you Matt. I'm going to take you up on that. Matt, uh, welcome to the Security Ledger podcast. Uh, it's really great having you on. Yeah, thanks, Paul. And if you prefer, you can call me the Honey Badger. Um, sometimes <laughs> people call me that, but Matt's fine as well. I'm not going to call you the Honey Badger, Matt. <laughs> Maybe by the end you will. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe I will. So for our listeners, uh, tell us a little bit about, um, well, uh, you and also about the company you founded, Honey Badger. Yeah, sure. So if you're interested in me, first of all, and my story, originally from the UK, um, you can probably tell by, by my accent, um, but spent five years working in technology and for some larger companies in Australia, so in the Asia Pacific region. And then I spent about another five years based out of San Francisco, um, where I previously founded a company which was later acquired. And then for the last couple of years, um, I've been the, the, the co-founder and creator of Honey Badger. And we're all about detecting fraud and preventing fraud. And we work primarily in the, first of all, the call center. So when 
uh, fraudsters call up and try and take over accounts. We, we have technology that detects that. And more recently, we also uh, found a patent to authenticate people with something that we call geo-authentication. So really understanding is somebody who they claim to be. Uh, and so that's what we're really all about. Before we even get started, um, for, for listeners who don't know, what, what is a honey badger and um, what does it symbolically represent? A honey badger is a type of badger, as you probably guessed, um, but it's best known for being fairly, I guess, ferocious and fearless. Um, yes. There are some some videos of the honey badger. If you were to go into to YouTube and, and search honey badger, probably one of the top hits will give you a good indication of why the honey badger is so ferocious. Um, but Basically, the, the reason we're called Honey Badger is because we, we like to kind of embrace the, the same core values as the Honey Badger, the animal. We're maybe not so aggressive in nature, but we are persistent, relentless, especially when it comes to protecting our customers from for, uh, fraud. That's that's kind of the uh, the ethos we have. So we, we kind of figured that, you know, Honey Badger would be a great name for us because it, it represents what we're all about. Right. And honey badgers, I think um, one of the things they do is to uh, kind of raid uh, bees nests, right? For, for the honey. Is that is that how they got their name? And so they're, you know, you can imagine them up there kind of obviously getting stung and attacked by the bees, but kind of undeterred by that. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a bit like us sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be as a startup, right? You're definitely going to get stung a lot. Yeah. You can't be as scared of, scared of those bees and hopefully you'll get some honey eventually. Yeah. Okay, so um, you, uh, Honey Badger, the company is in, I guess, what might be termed sort of the um, uh, alternative authentication or uh, multi-factor authentication area. This is a huge area of interest and investment these days by companies simply because um, usernames and passwords you know, long, have long outlived their uh, usefulness as a deterrent, um, and we're seeing just a... Um, epidemic of, you know, credential stuffing attacks um, and, and other attacks that use uh, either uh, leaked passwords or uh, just, you know, attack weak pack passwords to, to gain access to accounts. These are, this is often how, you know, sophisticated attacks start is just with an account compromise, you know, linked to a, to a weak or, or leaked password. Um, and you're um, doing that. It's a little bit different um, than other two-factor um, authentication uh, technologies. Talk a little bit about this geo-authentication you know, technology and, and how it works. Yes, yeah, sure. So as you say, we are quite different. Um, I think if you, if you think of most two-factor or multi-factor, you, you typically think of a device that somebody has uh, and then you send a, you know something to that device, which allows them to authenticate. Um, what, what we do is we take a, a different approach, which um, is is often used when multi-factor or two-factor is an option. But essentially, what we invented and what we came up with, well, was a way of saying, okay, well, if we're going to prove who you are, what we do instead is go away and find use AI to find some information um, that you should know and only you should know, and then ask you questions based upon that. On that. So uh, a great example would be if you're submitting an application for some credit or you're trying to recover an account and I say, well, my name's um, Matthew Salisbury and I live in this address in this location in London. What 
uh, geo-authentication will do is go away to Google Street View and it will find images from nearby to that location um, that are that should be recognizable to you. And then we'll put them in like a kind of a recapture style form um, where you'll have other images from different parts of the country that look similar. And we'll say to you then, okay, well, which ones do you recognize? Which ones are, are nearby? And that's an example of how we'll take some derived information that, that you should know, because if you do live at that address, then you should know the area. Um, and then we'll, we'll test you based upon that. And if you pass that test, then we can you know, allow you to continue. Okay. So this is really interesting. So you're, you're saying, you, you know, people um, need to access an account. They either have lost their second factor or somehow failed that test and are looking to authenticate themselves. This is sort of knowledge-based authentication, I guess. So you're, you're identifying them based on inferent knowledge that they have um, that an attacker wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, they're absolutely right. I'd say that the difference is, uh, I think first and foremost, what you mentioned is it, it's, it's, typically used when multi-factor isn't an option because I'm a, I'm a bad, big advocate for MFA and, and, and two-factor. That is the, the, the best way to go. But you do find situations where it's not an option because people have lost their device. And we see our customers, you know, fraudsters will call up the contact center and say, hey, I've lost my device. There's nothing I can fail over to. I want to recover my account. And so they're, they're trying to get to that knowledge-based access. The difference is... When, when most organizations kind of start asking those traditional questions, you know, mother's maiden name, first pet, school, whatever it may be, that's, that's very weak security as we know, right? Sure. Um, when we rely on something like images or we use, you know, honey badger, what we're actually doing is we're basing that challenge on, yes, knowledge, but it's not knowledge that you've submitted to us necessarily. It's something that you should know because you recognize because of your ability as a human being to recognize patterns and images, you know, are, are one example of that. Um, and, and, so, and, and not something that can be easily derived from your, you know, LinkedIn profile, like, oh, this guy went to, you know, uh, Newton High School. OK, so, you know, we can now know that he grew up in Newton and, you know, probably went to these, you know, one of these elementary schools, you know, or something like exactly that. Exactly. That, that's right, the difference. Right. Yeah. Right. So if you're using the person's location, are you talking about their current location? Or are you talking about, you know, you, you've got an employee record from the, from the customer um, and that is listing, you know, where the employees live. And so you're, you're using it or are you actually grabbing their IP address and saying, aha, this person is, um, you know, may, may live in Boston, but right now they're in Cincinnati. And so we're going to start showing them pictures from Cincinnati. It, it depends. Um, so. In some cases, our, our, our typical customer will have a record of the person's address, especially financial institutions, and they then will issue it against that address. Um, that's one way it can be done. The, the other way actually is to allow the, the user to create what we call a geo profile. And so they can enter any address or any location they know well and select images they'd like to store against their profile. And then when it comes to doing a, a geo-authentication challenge, we'll actually use the images they've previously specified. Um, and that works well if you set, in, set up a new customer, you know, during customer onboarding, for example, you can ask them to create these types of geo-profile accounts. Uh, and then it can be used for account recovery later on. Um, so that's, that's kind of one way where it's not necessarily the address that, you know, that they have on file. It's, a, it's an address that they specify. The, the third way is if you have a, a situation where 
let's say it's an application, I'm creating a, a credit application, I want to open a credit card, and I'm specifying an address. Well, often you want to know, does this person actually live at this address that they say, or am I kind of impersonating you and taking out fraud, you know, taking out an account in your name? And so that's a that's a, a place it can be used. And then, of course, you could do it based upon the location of the individual using the, the, the browser location. Um, we, we do that less frequent, frequently because often our customers and will have an address on record. Okay. So that's really interesting. And, and like you said, this is information that you're deriving, but that isn't stored in any database anywhere, isn't easily guessable by an attacker. So you talked about using photos from nearby locations. Are there, are there other types of um, things that you can use based on what you know about them uh, besides kind of, you know, here are some Google, Google or shots from, from around your neighborhood? Yeah. I mean, that, so the patent that we filed um, you know, recently covers images as we've, we've discussed, but then it also goes deeper and it says, well, couldn't, can we take your, your background information, maybe your demographics, your interests, your hobbies, whatever it may be, and come up with questions using AI that, that only you should know? So that's kind of one area you're exploring as well, because ultimately everybody's different in that respect. And if you were to ask me questions about Manchester, where I was born, and then Sydney and, and San Francisco, I could probably answer those questions. And then around some of my hobbies, etc. Um, only I will know that unique kind of combination of, of questions and information. So that's, that's another angle that, that we're taking. And then there is actually uh, an even kind of deeper um, thing we're working on, which is using uh, deep fakes. And again, this is more around the, the image side, but it's slightly different because what we're doing is we're taking an image that you should recognize, and then we're actually modifying it to either remove something or to add something in, and then saying to you what's not right about this image. Oh, really interesting. Give me an example. Well, let's say was it your hometown, was it Newton or where, you, where you, you're based on nearby? Um, I'm, I'm nearby there. I'm not based in Newton, but sure. Yeah, right. I think Newton, Massachusetts. Yeah. So, so, so let's say I grabbed a, a shot of somewhere downtown or from around there, and then I uh -huh. put a statue statue in there, um, uh -huh. or I changed the color of a building slightly, or, uh -huh. or something like that. And then I said to you, "What well, doesn't seem right?" And you'd be surprised how many times your your brain would go, "That's not quite right," and pick that up. Really interesting. What I think about that's that's most similar is like the types of, you know, when you're when you're in very kind of high risk situations where you need to confirm your identity these days, you might see questions and this would be like getting a credit report or, you know, applying for a credit card or some some high high stakes situation like that. You might get fed um, knowledge based authentication questions about like mortgages that you've got or places where you've lived, right. Or, or, you know, states where you've had driver's licenses, right. So that's the sort of, that's the, that's the sort of top tier now of knowledge based authentication, but it strikes me that that information as well is vulnerable to, uh, hackers given that a lot of it is kind of quasi public information. And also there've just been so many data breaches and stuff that, you know, who knows which of that might might be actually obtainable by an adversary, especially if it was a an individual who they really you know wanted to impersonate. Yeah, I mean, the, the challenge there, right, is it's it's susceptible to insider threat, especially so you know somebody taking and leaking that information. 
Um, and then the, the, the really difficult thing about it is if that information is leaked, well, it doesn't change, right? It's facts about you that that stay the same. So if somebody gets hold of your your entire kind of history around what mortgages and loans and whatever else you, you've done, well, then I can't really use that ever again if I'm being secure, right? Because it's not going to change. The questions will always be, you know, did you have a mortgage on this date or in this year, et cetera? And the answer will be yes or no, right? And I'll have access to that. When you, when you talk about something like Honey Badger and geo-authentication, if you're using, let's say, images that, that you recognize, well, they can be changed, right? They can be reset. We can choose different locations. We can we can make it more secure in that way because if if for, if for some reason the images that you know were were leaked or that you'd saved to a profile were leaked, uh, which is which would be more difficult. But if they were, well, we could just regenerate new images and you could submit new ones. Um, and so it doesn't have that same vulnerability as as the traditional you know types you see now. Got it. So you mentioned that this is a kind of a backstop on two-factor authentication solutions, you know, um, uh, the type that might send you a SMS code or require you to use a um, code generating app or even, a, you know, on, on your on your mobile device, for example, um, you know, Google Authenticator or something like that. Does Honey Badger also have a 2FA uh, feature or do you integrate with 2FA solutions or, or are you totally separate? You're just another layer for companies that might already have 2FA deployed, but, but want, again, a, a backstop in the case that, you know, the, the customers, you know, lose that second factor. Yeah, I think, you know, really see ourselves as a, a separate solution that that is an additional layer that, that organizations can add. Um, I think there's no there's no shortage of good two-factor authentication providers out there, um, even though they're not always utilized by, by organizations, but there are lots of good solutions for that out there. And, you know, what, what we see is that those edge cases, which are kind of more common than you, than you probably appreciate, where we can come in and say, well, okay, well, what do we do when that two-factor isn't an option for whatever reason? Um, and so that's how we position ourselves is, a, is an ex- additional layer in the firewall to help protect organization and your, your users who are the you know what what types of companies are, are interested in this um uh matt yeah. who, who, who's coming to your doorstep yeah so um we do like a lot in the uk um just because i'm i'm based out of here we also have you know a couple of staff members in in the us as well um but in the uk we see a lot of consumer credit organizations um and basically that's that's primarily because um, two of the biggest types of fraud for them is one is um, account takeover. And so, you know, calling up the contact center um, and trying to then, you know, take over an account or, or process some transaction, etc. cetera. Um, and then application fraud. So people just creating applications in other people's names, um, which is a, you know, a key, key and great time to, to use geo-authentication. So that's one. Um, but then more recently, we've actually... Um, being contacted and we're working with um, some uh, a crypto app. Um, I won't mention their name, um, but they um, are going to be rolling out uh, geo-authentication or geo-profile technology as like a, a kind of a backup kind of failover. So when people don't have access to multi-factor and they can't restore or recover their accounts, um, they can issue a challenge through Honey Badger and use that as an extra validation 
an extra data point to check that that person is who they say they are. So, you know, it's kind of plays more into the fintech type space. Uh, and that's somewhere we're, we're very interested in, in being a provider as well. Yeah, I mean, um, th- this is a this is a huge issue for companies a- across the spectrum. Are there? I know that you know the the U.S. government has issued a lot of guidance, certainly calling out two factor or multi factor authentication. Um, are you seeing any kind of regulatory pressure for organizations to adopt technology like this as 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 they de- deal with you know account takeovers and and, and that type of problem? Yeah, um, definitely are, and and in fact, one of the areas we we haven't spoken much about but it's actually where where honey badger started is around the analysis of phone calls so when you know people contact an organization to see if um that the calls are being spoofed for example um because it's one of the attack vectors is to to spoof somebody and to then you know especially with like sim swap attacks if you're familiar with those um yeah um and basically there's a lot of regulation coming out there to say that organizations, um, network providers, mobile networks, uh, for example, should be analyzing and blocking or doing something around um, analyzing calls and then taking action if they see that it's potentially fraudulent. So if you get callers that call from overseas, but they're they're spoofing a local number, then they should take some action and maybe warn the the company about that. Um, So that's that's happening in the the UK, uh, especially with the, the government regulation. Um, and so it's definitely happening. It's, it's, I think part of what we've seen as a, you know, in the industry as a whole, I don't know if you've found this as well, is that the regulators come up with a lot of advice. That's very good. And, you know, how to use two factor and what type of security methods should be used for different scenarios, but it's not necessarily adopted by industry. Um, especially when there's no kind of penalties or incentives. So, um, we do see that, absolutely. you know, yeah. I'm sure you've seen it a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is just the story of the last, you know, 20, 30 years, which is, you know, a lot of good thinking and writing and, um, guidance on cybersecurity, but ultimately for companies, you know, those are all just additional capital investments, um, uh, or, you know, what have you overhead. And unless there's a compelling reason for them to incur those costs, they don't. And, you know, while the breaches uh, have come, you know, fast and heavy uh, and certainly imposed, you know, reputational damage, it's just harder to see that they've, they've you know, they've imposed a real financial cost on companies. Most companies, um, you know, stock price or what have you recovers pretty quickly after a major cyber incident and they all kind of move on. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, I think one of the really interesting things on, on, in, in the case of Honey Badger, though, is, is, you know, that you're applying machine learning, artificial intelligence to a, you know, pretty clear, you know, a problem in the industry, a, a need in the industry. I'm interested in kind of how you see that evolving over time and, um, you know, the capabilities that this machine learning and AI has given you and, and what, what future capabilities might, might make possible. Yeah, um, so I can talk to that in in two parts. One is uh, on the the call analysis side, so in the in the contact center, because I think you know right now we process um, just over five million calls a week um, for for businesses. So we take all of that data and we process that, and we 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 have a 
um, ML models look for patterns mm-hmm. and anomalies in that. And that's been really effective because- um, and, and that was where the business started, you were saying? Yeah, exactly. That's where the business, yeah. that's where Honey Bad just started. That's really was our bread and butter yeah. for a, a long time. Yeah. Um, and, and it's really interesting because the nature of, you know, the way the way fraudsters attack has changed. Um, so it used to be that, let's say when they're making contact via, via a call center or a contact center, they would use the same number and spoof and, you know, try and farm information, et cetera. But since everything's now, you know, VoIP and SIP and um, digital, um, they can just use virtual numbers and cycle through them. And so you you often get less obvious features and it's actually the patterns of behavior that indicate that potential fraud is happening. Um, and so using ML in that respect has been amazing for us because without training it on lots of data and seeing the usual patterns of behavior, you wouldn't necessarily see things like IVR farming. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it's it's always when fraudsters call up, you know, the voice um, recording system and try and find information out about people. Um, maybe they'll guess some of the knowledge base, access, dates of birth, etc. Um, so that's, it's been really critical there. Then on the kind of geo-authentication side, um, the way we've used it is to basically source the information that is derived about you. So we use it to, to go out to you know Google Street View, for example, and find images. But then there becomes a, you know another layer of that to go, well, if we grab an image, we've got to do some processing to say, well, is it a useful image? Does it contain features that, that you can look at and analyze? Because if we get a picture of a tree, that's no good, right? So there's like kind of visual analysis that happens. Um, And then we also have to make sure that if we're going to provide other images for you to compare against, do they look similar? There's no point me showing you an image of somewhere in Phoenix against somewhere in New York, right? Because it's going to look very different. Just just the nature of the, the environment might look very different. Okay. Yeah, really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so we use kind of, um, you know, visual, visual uh, AI there to, to, to see how you know, similar uh, images are. Um, and then where that then, I think, you know, where we go from here, I think it's only going to become more and more useful, especially as the deep fake technology evolves. Um, be, because I think, you know, that's right now, when you think of deep fakes, you think of using it probably for fake news, right? <laughs> and I think we're going to see that 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 can be used for much more than just making it look like somebody said something that they didn't actually say, right? Um, so that's what I'm excited about is how we can leverage that in, in enterprise kind of applications. Sort of, as you said, to um, create these sort of authenticators that look plausible to an attacker, but that the real person would instantly recognize as as fraudulent. So using, relying on the, the, the um, the target user to be able to spot the deep fake in essence. Yeah, that. And also, have you recently seen a lot of these um, systems that can like generate images based on what you explain to them? So you could give it. Yeah, like Dolly. Rate. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Now, uh-huh. What if I was creating um, some kind of security system where I could just describe an image in my head that would be totally unique, in, you know, draw a picture of, you know, some some aliens attacking Boston whilst it's snowing and 
you know, there's there's lasers being shot from the sky or whatever, right? Just something really abstract and, and unique. And then storing that as like my knowledge-based access comparison, right? Got Nobody it. else in the world is going to have a picture like that because right. it was all for, it's from my imagination and AI just converted that into a, into an image that I can now store. And then if I come later on to recover my account or I want it to just verify, hey, which is the image that you resonates with you, when I see that picture of those aliens in the sky above Boston versus you know other abstract images, that's the one I'm going to remember. Really cool stuff. Um, so you know, for for you know companies that might be uh, interested in this technology, like what what do they need to do? I mean, what are the prerequisite technologies that they need, or what they need to do to to deploy this, or can, can really any company uh, deploy it? Yeah, I mean, it, we've seen it kind of come in a few shapes and forms. Um, with with the crypto app that I mentioned, they're doing a really kind of cool thing where they're just sending out an email to their users and inviting them to go to to Honey Badger and create a profile. And so it's actually a very kind of low touch from their perspective because it's all hosted by us. Um, and they're inviting users to say, hey, use Honey Badger. If we, if we ever need to recover your account, we can issue you a challenge and Honey Badger takes care of the you know, the communications to you via email, SMS, or, or whatever. Um, and then you So individuals say, can, can create accounts with you guys as well. This is interesting. Exactly, yeah. We okay. were kind of exploring um, this, this model where, you know, individuals can create an account and then we get to a point where businesses allow that account to be attached to their profile or to a user's profile, let's say, in an app. So if you're a bank, you could say, you know, to increase your security, uh, attach your Honey Badger profile to, you know, your, your your banking profile. And then if we ever need to, we can use that as an additional layer of security. Um, that's that's one way that we're, we're, we're kind of pushing it out there. And then the other is really just embedded um, inside of apps and application forms, et cetera. You know, we have an API that, that some customers will use and they'll they'll just build this stuff into their processes, into their account recovery, et cetera. And, you know, Honey Badge is just kind of under the hood. You don't necessarily see us or, or our name. Um, and, and we can kind of operate in that way as well. Um, so yeah, we, we kind of support both of those models really. Matt Salisbury, thank you so much for coming on and uh, speaking to us on Security Ledger Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Paul. It's a really, really been a pleasure on my side as well. Um, so keep up the, the great work because I really enjoy listening to your podcasts. Thanks so much. Um, it was great having you on. Matt Salisbury is the co-founder and CEO of Honey Badger HQ, a fraud prevention startup based in Menlo Park, California. 